witness. This is one of those spiritual words that can be so loaded. For many, it's a scary word that brings up religious wounds of guilt and shame. Others have abandoned this idea entirely to simply practice good works. But what if we just stop, take a breath, and start over? What if being a witness has more to do with who we are than what we're supposed to do? What can we learn from the forebears of our faith, the Bible, and Jesus himself about telling his story with our words and our lives? It's time we redeem, reframe, and reclaim this word. It's time to become a witness. Right. Good morning, Element. It is so great to worship with you this morning. It's so great to continue in our witness series. I think we have some really beautiful and exciting things to learn and talk about today. So I'm so glad you guys are with us and thank you for joining online too. So we're going to jump right in because we've got a lot to cover today. It's going to be great. So let's think for a moment about where we've already been with our witness series so that we can catch up to today, okay? So we've learned a few lessons as we've been talking about this idea of witness and kind of redeeming and reframing and reclaiming what is true about us with this, okay? And the first thing we learned is being a witness isn't really about something we do. It's about who we are. Now, of course, it is also something we do, but the doing comes from the being, right? Because we have witnessed Jesus in our lives, in our hearts, within us. So being a witness is less about something we do and more about something we are. Then the second week we learned that stories have a profound impact, right? And every great story, according to Mr. Brett at least, every great story has three parts, right? You have the normal, then you have the explosion, and then you have the transformation, right? Normal, explosion, transformation, all right? And we studied the story of Paul's conversion as told in his own words, and what a perfect example his experience of witnessing Jesus was for us to be able to tell our own stories too. And then last week, Bobby introduced us to this idea that we just might be part of the explosion in someone else's story, right? And we learned that sometimes all it might take to become a vital, life-saving part of someone else's story is to offer them a cool cup of water when they're thirsty, right? Which means noticing, noticing where people are, what they need, where they might be open to Jesus, and introducing that. And we learned that that's all Jesus really asked us to do, right? Share our stories, show his love, and speak his truth, right? And what a huge and holy honor that is. It's a huge and holy honor to think of this idea of becoming a part of the explosion in someone else's story. And yet that is how the news of the gospel has spread since the very first disciples of Jesus. That is how people have come to know Jesus because of this very thing, these pivotal moments in people's lives where stories are shared, right? So today, 
We're going to take this a step further, all right? And we're going to ask ourselves some questions, and I think we're going to find ourselves pretty inspired and pretty encouraged today, okay? So I want you to think of a new word this morning. It's a word you might not have heard before. I'm pretty sure it's a made-up word, but we're going to go with it. The word is cojourner. Cojourner. Now, you've heard of the word sojourner, I'm sure, right? You guys know what a sojourner is? Does anyone know what a sojourner is? Children? I don't know. It's a tricky word. Let me tell you what a sojourner is. A sojourner is someone who is traveling from a foreign land on a journey, on a temporary journey, okay? If you're on a sojourn, you're basically traveling from a foreign land, you're on a temporary journey, and typically you're by yourself. Typically you're by yourself, right? That's a sojourner, right? And sometimes I think in this life that can describe our perceived existence, right, as humans <laughs> walking through this world and finding our experience with God, we can call ourselves sojourners because we are truly in a foreign land on a temporary journey, finding our way back to wholeness and home and shalom, right? And there is beauty in the stories of the sojourner, of course, right? As we all experience our mysterious journey back to the heart of God. But as part of this witness series, I'd like us to think about this new word, cojourner, a cojourner, all right? Because perhaps we are not alone on this journey through this foreign land on our way back to shalom, back to wholeness, back to the heart of God. Perhaps we are truly meant to journey together, right? And to invite others who are also strangers in this foreign land to come along with us, to feel the same pull in their hearts as we feel in our hearts, to travel back towards peace, towards light, towards life, towards redemption, right? Perhaps we are meant to journey together, cojourners, okay? And what if we took seriously this call to come alongside others, to come alongside others who are lost in the desert, searching for the cool cup of water that we have found, What if we took that call even more seriously? We are cojourners. We are witnesses, and we are cojourners. Now, I was thinking about journeying, and and I was trying to think of a good example of a cojourner in my life, and I can think of a lot of great examples. I've had a lot of partnerships. I've had a lot of journeys. (laughs) But the kids reminded me of of a great example of a cojourner, and that was our previous dog, Bilbo. Now, you guys know Bilbo. We've showed pictures of him here before. He is a very special and wonderful dog. And, of course, his name being Bilbo, that makes him even more awesome, right? So he was truly the sweetest dog you could ever wish to walk. When He was very chill. You guys saw all the sleeping pictures of Bilbo, if you remember, right? But when it was time to go for a walk, he was so happy. He would howl at the door. He would get his leash on. And he would just perk up and trot along right with you for as long as you wanted to go. He was the happiest, happiest dog to walk. And he would just journey with us anywhere we went, wouldn't he, guys? But, yes, we lost Bilbo about a year ago. But we did get a new dog, Grace. Now, Grace... Grace is still learning the ways of the (laughs) co-journer. When we first got Grace, these dogs were both rescues, and you never quite know what you're going to get with a rescue, right? When we got Grace, she was so sweet, loved the kids, didn't like journeying, didn't like journeying anywhere. She's a Vishla young dog. Like, she should have so much energy, 
but really about five steps out the front door, and she was like flat on the ground, didn't want to go. When, they, when we got her from her host home, they had her a harness for her, so you would literally like have to pick her up on the harness and walk along to get her to like at least walk you know, one house down the road. That, that's where we started with this dog, okay? And I remember the first time I tried to take her for a walk by myself, it was like the second day that she was home, that she was living with us. I got her to come like a few houses away. We had like made some progress on the journey. And then she just got tired or confused. She didn't know where she was. She didn't really know me. And she was done. And I mean done. Like there was no dragging. There was no sort of harness pulling that I could figure out to get this dog to move. So I literally had to pick her up and carry her home. A, v a large dog it was very embarrassing in our neighborhood carrying this dog home because she would not journey with me, right? Now, she has come a long way in the work of the co-journer, right? And finally we got her to walk with us because it takes training and maturity. Finally we got her to walk with us and then we discovered that she can get distracted. Oh yes, she can get distracted by creatures, lizards, and things like that. But mostly what she gets distracted by are the sprinklers. I don't know if you've ever seen a dog go crazy with the sprinklers. I should have brought you a video today, but I have another video that you're going to love. So we're just going to wait for that. But this dog goes absolutely, totally crazy, loses her mind, can't focus on anything, forgets she knows anyone. When she sees a sprinkler going, she is going after it, right? So it's been several months of teaching this dog the ways of the cojourner. But now we walk her every day. She walks right along with us. We have no harness. We have made great progress with this dog, all right? Now, I tell you this really for no reason except to say that perhaps we also need some training and maturity as we learn the ways of the co-journer, right? Sometimes we're not necessarily built to know how to do this co-journeying. She certainly wasn't. But that's what we're here to do today. That's what we're here to do in community. And I think we are well on our way to maturity in this element. I think we are. But here's what we have to remember, okay? Just as the disciples were witnesses to Jesus, right? Alive, present to them, we are witnesses to Jesus too, okay? And those who have gone before us, we have witnessed their stories. Those who introduced us to Christ, those who co-journed with us, we have witnessed their stories, and Christ is alive in us. So, when someone witnesses your life, they have an opportunity to witness Jesus. Jesus himself. And you have an opportunity to invite them on a journey with you. Invite them on a journey with you, okay? So how do we hold that honor? How do we hold that responsibility of knowing that we are charged with sharing our stories and inviting people on our journey? Well, Thanks to our good friend, Ryan Dory, who could not be here today. I'm very sad that he's going to miss this moment. But he blessed my Friday a couple days ago with a little gem of a video, and I thought, this expresses perfectly the relationship of a co-journer, right? Because it is a gift and a blessing for someone to stay by your side, right? And encourage your heart towards life and light, okay? Sometimes, you guys, we just need a hype man. So let's watch this video. What's boss? You know we finally here, right? Well, we... It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again, it's 
to recreate it okay Ryan will be the hype man in the car Chris will be the dancer I can see it. it's gonna be so great okay now maybe there's more to being a co-journer than that okay but maybe not that much right if we could find as much joy about the one true narrative of redemption as these guys found about Friday I think we'd be well on our way to some beautiful kingdom work in the world right seriously sometimes having someone on the journey with you makes all the difference all right, so we are going to talk about a story today, okay? We're going to learn from it, and I hope that we're going to be encouraged and challenged and inspired and instructed. I think we will. Maybe it will be a grand, pivotal moment in our maturity as witnesses. But I'm going to tell you something about this story. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. It's not a Brett story. There's no blood. There's no guts. There's no tattoos. There's no flaming tongue swords. I'm sorry, it's a pretty tame story. It's a rather inoffensive story, okay? And it's one we've probably glanced over many times as we've read the Gospels, but this story teaches us what we are called to do. So we are going to look to the story of Philip. Philip. And we learn about Philip in the first chapter of John. Now, Philip is a co-journer. He's a co-journer, okay? So we're going to look in John chapter 1 and see what we can learn from his story. It goes like this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. All right, here you have it. It's profound, right? The story of Philip, there it is. But it is profound, church. It is profound. This is the story of a witness of Jesus. This is the story, and this is a model for all of us to follow. So we're going to study five lessons from the story of Philip. Yes, I did pull five lessons from those four verses, and we're going to do this together. So lessons from the story of Philip. Number one, Jesus called Philip personally. Number two, Philip followed Jesus' example. Number three, Philip answered Jesus' most important question. Number four, Philip didn't try to convince Nathaniel of anything. And number five, Philip journeyed alongside Nathaniel. 
And we're going to unpack that for a few, the few minutes we have left today, okay? The first one is that Jesus called Philip personally. He called him personally. Now, I only, we only have one sentence that tells us that story, right? But within that one sentence, you guys, we can find our own experience. And we can empathize and imagine what Philip must have felt like in that moment when Jesus says, follow me. What did Philip feel like in that moment? Jesus had been teaching all around, confounding people with his wisdom and his compassion and his strange ways. And he's getting ready to leave. And before he leaves, he goes and he finds Philip. He goes and he finds him. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for him to be searched out by Jesus? And Jesus simply says, follow me. Now on the surface, it's not that exciting, right? But can you imagine Jesus, the Son of God, looking into your eyes and saying, Brenna, follow me. Hannah, follow me. Heather, follow me. Right? And you, you can imagine it because you have heard it. Not in flesh and blood, but in spirit, you have. You have heard that call. And that's exactly what Jesus does with Philip in this moment. It is the moment of the explosion, right? As simple as this story is, this is his moment of explosion, where it goes from normal explosion transformation. This is the moment, right? Now I could tell you about the moment in my life where I had this experience with Jesus. And if I had time today, I would. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take time next week, but I would love to hear some of those stories from some of you next week. That's what we're going to take time to do, right? I can't wait to hear your stories, but this moment of Jesus finding us and saying, follow me, that's the moment of explosion. So that's the first thing that happens in Philip's story. Now let's look at the second thing. Philip followed Jesus' example. This is what he did. It's very simple. But first, we're going to look at this word follow, right? Because Jesus says, follow me. What is that word? What does that word really mean? If we look to the Greek, akoluthai, it means to become a close companion, a close follower, a disciple. And there are two significant ideas in the word follow. Union and likeness. Union and likeness. Okay? So to follow Christ means those two things. It means to cleave, to be united with him to be in close union with him. And then it means to become like him. That's what follow means, this particular Greek word. Union and likeness, okay? What a simple and beautiful expression of what it does mean to follow Jesus. Now, Philip, in this very simple story in the Bible that spans only four verses, does just that, right? Philip chooses to follow Jesus. He chooses to walk away from whatever it was he was doing before that very moment when Jesus said, follow me. He chooses to walk away from that and to journey with Jesus, right? There's the union part. He's leaving whatever it was behind, and he's choosing union with Jesus. He's choosing to journey with Jesus. And then, in the very next moment, he chooses to be like Jesus because he goes and invites Nathaniel, right? He shares the story of what he just witnessed. He shares the story, and he personally invites Nathaniel, just like Jesus personally invited him, 
likeness. He has that likeness. He does exactly what Jesus just did. Jesus invites Philip, and the very next thing, Philip invites Nathaniel. Do you guys know the power of a personal invitation? I think you do. It's the most powerful form of human influence there is, right? Marketers would pay millions more dollars than they would for regular advertising if they could get the power of a personal testimonial because that is really what engages people. Personal invitation, personal testimony, right? So Philip's first act of following Jesus is to do what Jesus just did and invite someone personally, okay? To be a co-journer, but we'll get to that. All right, number three. Philip answers Jesus' most important question. Now, you'll know that Jesus doesn't actually ask the question in this particular passage, but he does ask this question a lot. And here's the question that many theologians will say is Jesus' most important question, and that is, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, he asks this of his disciples several times throughout the scriptures, right? And he'll usually ask them, who do people say that I am? And then, who do you say that I am? And he asks that all the way up until his death, because that is the most important question. Do we see Jesus for who he is? The Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah. This is the question that must be asked of a witness of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? That is the question that must be asked of a witness of Jesus, because if we have witnessed him, if we have seen the truth of who he is, then we can answer that question. And if we can answer that question, we can share our story, right? So what does Philip say to Nathaniel? Jesus doesn't ask that question in that moment, who do you say that I am? But what does Philip go and say to Nathaniel? He says, we have found the one that Moses and the prophets talked about. That's who he says Jesus is. Jesus is the one that Moses and the prophets talked about, the Messiah. Now, he doesn't know exactly all that means at this point, right? The disciples didn't really get it even until the end. But he knew enough. He knew enough that he believed this was the Messiah. And he said, this is who I think Jesus is. I think that I have just met the Messiah, and I'm inviting you to come and see, right? Now, Jesus hadn't asked the question, but Philip was giving the answer. And we, too, must find that answer for ourselves, right? We must find our answer to the question, who do we say Jesus is? I remember at Circle A growing up with our youth camp all of the summers, we would have the kids in there for two weeks. And the first week, we wouldn't really share a whole lot about our faith or Jesus. We would read from the Bible and we would pray, but we would get to know them first on a personal level, right? But they were there for two weeks, and so on the Sunday that they were there, my dad would do a worship service, and he would basically share his story. He would share his story of when he met Jesus. He would share his story of his explosion and transformation. And then he would invite our staff, our leadership team, to come and do the same. And they would share their stories of where they met Jesus and their transformation. And then this was the question that my dad always asked at the end of those times of sharing. 
what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Which is another way of saying, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Life's most important question. Life's most important question. And Philip had an answer that day because he had witnessed Jesus. And that brings us to the next lesson of our story. Number four, Philip didn't try to convince Nathaniel of anything. He didn't try to convince him. He said, we've seen the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. And then Nathaniel's like, from Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth? And all Philip says is, come and see. Come and see. Right? It wasn't Philip's responsibility to explain how this could be true. Philip didn't really understand. He didn't have the capacity to really explain how it could be true. He didn't know. He just believed that it was. It wasn't his job to explain it. It was only his job to invite. All he had was an experience. All he had was a story. A story of that explosion when Jesus said, follow me. Right? And all he does is invite Nathaniel to come and see. Now, here's where the story gets pretty cool. This is where I get really excited about this particular idea of cojourner, okay? Because Philip just goes over to Nathaniel, and he's like, we found the Messiah, come and see. What Philip probably didn't know is that Jesus had already been working in the heart of Nathaniel. God had already been calling Nathaniel, okay? Jesus was already pursuing him. So let's look back at the story in ju for just a minute. And we're going to pick up right after Nathaniel says that nothing good can come from Nazareth. Okay? This is what it says in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Now, did you catch what just happened here? Nathaniel's like, nothing good comes from Nazareth. This is ridiculous. I'm going to go meet this guy. He comes up to the guy, and he's like, how do you know me? And Jesus is like, I saw you under the fig tree. And suddenly, Nathaniel is like, oh, well, you're the king. You're, you're, the, you're the son of God. Now, what, why would Nathaniel just suddenly say that? I don't think it was just because he fixed his eyes upon Jesus. I think it was because Nathaniel was having some sort of experience under the fig tree, and Jesus spoke to it in that moment. And, and Nathaniel knew that this was not just an ordinary man. He knew that this was the son of God, right? It is clear that something more had been going on in Nathaniel's heart before Philip went up and said, come and see, okay? God was already at work in the story. So when Philip comes on the scene, all he does is give voice to the call that was already sounding in Nathaniel's heart. All he does is offer that cool cup of water to someone who had already begun to develop the thirst for it, right? And maybe he'd been developing it for a long time. And that's what we're 
are called to do, right? It's not our job to orchestrate the story. It's not our job to explain all the ins and outs of spirituality. It's our job to only tell our own story and invite others to come and see. Now, I was thinking about this sort of energy that draws others to come and see, right? And the person that I can think of is one of the very best examples in our community, and I'm sorry that she's not here today, but Liza is one of the best examples in our community of somebody who has that energy where if she loves something and she invites you to come and see, you want to come and see. If she tells me about a book, I am going to read it. If she tells me about something to buy from Trader Joe's, I'm going to buy it. If she tells me about a restaurant or Jenny's ice cream, I'm going to go there and get the ice cream because Liza has told me it is good. And there's something about that energy that draws me to want to see what it is that she has seen, want to experience what it is that she has experienced. Now, of course, she does the same for Jesus, but I think we've all experienced some of these stories, right? This electric, passionate exuberance for good things. What if we told our stories about Jesus, our stories about our explosion and transformation with that sort of excitement, with that sort of gravity? Guys, people would come and see. People would come and see. So, number five. Philip journeyed alongside Nathaniel. This is Philip the co-journer. Philip didn't say, go and see. Right? He could have. He could have been like, you should go meet that guy. He's the Messiah. He said, come. Come and see. Come with me. I will journey with you. I will walk by your side. Not only in this moment as you walk up to meet Jesus, but for years they journeyed together, right? They took the path together towards the truth of who Jesus is, towards the one true narrative of redemption. Cojourners, that's who they became. That's who all the disciples became. And what power there is with offering to walk with someone. I remember when our family first moved to Florida. I was 13 years old, and the, the very awkward life stage of a 13-year-old, and I was homeschooled, so it was a weird time for me, okay? And I didn't know anybody here. We moved here because of the house, and so I knew no one. We didn't have a church, didn't have a school, didn't really have anyone. Well, we ended up finding a church that we tried to go to for a while, and I will never forget a youth leader there named Anise. Her name was Anise, and she made an effort to co-journey with me. She didn't just welcome me into the youth group and do a Bible study. She invited me personally multiple times to do life things with her. And you know, when I think back, because I specifically remember her, but when I think back about her, I don't necessarily remember much that she taught me about Jesus. I remember that she took me to the Ringling Museum for the first time when I was in Sarasota. I remember that she introduced me to Thai curry, which is still my favorite food today, so I will always love her for that. But I don't necessarily remember that much of what she told me about Jesus. What I remember is that she made me feel welcome on my journey towards him. 
She made me feel like my questions were valid. She made me feel like I was wanted in the church community. And it's crazy because I'm sure she has no memory of me. Our family ended up leaving that church, and I never spoke to her again after those. I mean, maybe it was a year of like a little bit of investment into my life, but it was enough that I still remember her. I still remember her name and her face and our stories together because she offered to co-journey with me towards Jesus. And it, it affected my life forever. It affected my experience of church forever. Element, we, we are co-journers here, right? That is our story. It has always been our story. It will always be our story of journeying together towards the heart of God. And it's the greatest honor of my life to walk with each of you towards that place, right? And I hope and pray that as we do, that we will grow bold, that we will grow passionately excited to share our story and to invite others to come and see. Not come and see us. <laughs> come and see Jesus. To come and see the one who's already calling them, who's already preparing their hearts, who's already asking them to sojourn in a foreign land, right? But perhaps we can co-journey together. Paul puts it very beautifully in Romans 10. So we'll read this again today. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. You are a beautiful element, and you do bring the good news. You bring it to your schools and your workplaces and your families and your communities. You bring it to the orphans of this city. My invitation is that we will continue asking God to show us the places where people are longing for a cool cup of water, where people are longing to hear a story of hope and light and life. Benjamin, you can come back up. We're going to sing one last song. But I want to close today with the memory verse for our series that we've been saying every week. So let's say it all together one last time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. May we be cojourners to the ends of the earth. Whatever that looks like, wherever God is leading us. You know, every speaker in this series has invited us to ask God to show us those places. So maybe that's a question that we leave with today. God, have I been given an opportunity to act as your witness? God, will you help me see the opportunities that are already in front of me? to act as your witness. So we're going to sing one last song today, and it's the song Make Room. 
And you guys know this one. We've sang it a lot around here. But I want to sing it today with, with this question in our minds and in our hearts. The question of, God, where would you have me go? What would you have me share? Who would you have me bring a cool cup of water to? Who would you ask me to journey alongside of? Maybe it's someone in this very community. Maybe it's someone in our very home. Maybe it's someone at work or school or someone that we'll just meet on the side of the road tomorrow. I don't know, but Jesus does. So as we sing this song, let's sing it with that question in mind.